Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. For sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200 foot podcast. I'm Peter. And I am Jay. And do you know what time it is, Peter? It is time for the playoffs. <laughs> Whether we decide to drop in the actual foghorn remains to be seen, but I kind of like the way you did it, so we'll just do it live. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really like the uh, the special effects done with the mouth as opposed to uh, post production. So yeah. Okay, so um, full disclosure, we are re-recording this first segment, and the reason why is because we have recorded this whole thing about the playoffs, and we recorded it yesterday, which was Saturday, today is Sunday, and basically at least half of the, <laughs> seemingly half of the, uh, the matchups have changed, and so we are going to uh, re-record this and talk about the matchups as we have it on Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. Now, there are two matchups that we don't know for sure because there is a game tonight between Boston and Florida, which is a makeup match for a snowed out uh, game before. But other than that, we are going to go with what we have now. All right. So in the Eastern Conference, we have as of right now, we have Tampa Bay versus New Jersey. We have Boston versus Toronto. Now, the only thing we don't know for sure is depending on what happens tonight, um, Tampa Bay and Boston are definitely going to be the top two teams, but New Jersey and Toronto could switch there. We're not 100% sure. Um, in, for the rest of the league, every, all the matchups are set. We already know what's going to happen. So in the East, we have Washington versus Columbus, and we have Pittsburgh versus Philadelphia. So we have the Pennsylvania series. Um it's not quite the subway series that we have with the the Yankees and the Mets, but it, it's uh, you know a series that is going to be involved with uh, the same state, so that should be interesting. Peter, so Jay, Peter, 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 yeah. Peter. Okay, yeah. remember when the glorious folk from Norway wrote in to chastise me for being callous and cavalier with my language to just call it a state rival? It's the Keystone rivalry. That state will be uninhabitable for the next six years, depending mm-hmm. upon how this series shakes out. So please have a little bit more respect and reverence for what's happening on there. And then I don't think you give us enough credit for the segment that we did do. So for everybody <laughs> listening from an alternate dimension, we hope you enjoyed this segment we recorded yesterday because it would have been nice to keep that as it is. <laughs> Short time. Out. Yeah, I will agree. I think it, I think it was definitely a good one. So. Jay, what do you have coming out of the Eastern Conference? 
Well, I mean, we can't just introduce something like a Keystone rivalry and then save it for the rest of this for another part in the segment. So I'd like to talk about that first. Uh, first of all, it's really awesome that Claude Giroux saved his hat trick power up for the last game of the season that he needed to use it in order to get the Flyers into the playoffs. So that's pretty cool. Um, I want Philadelphia to win this, but we all know in our hearts that it's going to be Pittsburgh. So I think Pittsburgh is going to win that one. I think Philly's going to give them a run for the excuse me, a run for their money. But Pittsburgh's pretty good about their first series. So I'm I'm I think Pittsburgh's coming out of that one. Uh I would say eh, let's go with uh yeah, between Washington and Columbus. I mean I read something today about Tortorella having Pretty good record against a team called Washington. So um, I think think Columbus is going to do that. I think the Capitals are not going to do it again. I think that might be my biggest jokey pick. But, yeah, I'm now after realignment because, again, 24 hours ago we had something completely different in this matchup. But I think Columbus is going to be Washington. So those are my first two there. What about you? Okay, so um, with Pittsburgh and Philadelphia – like you said before, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. They won the season series 4-0, to zero, and I don't really see – unfortunately for my Flyers friends, I don't see any way that uh, Philadelphia wins that other than uh, Peter Mrazek or Brian Elliott finding the power-up uh, star and just sparkling the entire series. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll, we'll see. And then um, I'm going to go with Washington. I think Washington's coming out of there. Um, okay. obviously Columbus is, is, is not an easy out, but I think Washington, uh, makes it through the first round. They are really good at making it through the first round. Not <laughs> so good at the second part, but, um, we're going to talk about the first round right now in the other half of the bracket. We have the two matchups that we're not really sure about. We have Tampa Bay and Boston are definitely going to be the home teams. And then we have New Jersey and Toronto. So Jay, what do you think? would be the hardest matchup for one of the home teams here. Well, I think if I would really think that the Boston Toronto matchup, should that stay it the way it is? And I want it to stay it the way it is. I think that's going to be the knockdown drag out one. Cause we alluded to that in our, uh, we'll, we'll expound upon that a little bit more later in our interview with Mr. Collin from Stanley Cup of Chowder. But um, the, the, the whole, Boston Toronto matchup I think would probably be the most grueling. I think if it switches around, it'll be kind of tough just because, you know, like Tampa and Toronto, I mean, I don't know, like the, like you have one completely rabid fan base and then you have Tampa, right? So like it, it like it's two different it's two completely different things. And then, like, New Jersey and Boston, I mean, that, that seems kind of cool, right? That's like a duel of accents, like, e you know. <laughs> so maybe just for the sake of making fun noises in different voices, that sounds pretty cool to have that one happen out. But I don't know. I think, you know, I think of the two, I think Boston would have the most trouble with Toronto. And then I don't, I don't think Tampa would have too much trouble with, with New Jersey. But if it flips around, maybe it's a toss-up because – Everybody's everybody's out of their own. It's all about making the other team uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't. I think, I think Boston in Toronto. 
like if Boston has to go into Toronto a lot, right? Like they just, they go in there, it's original six matchup. They have to go in there a lot. If they have to go into New Jersey, not exactly, you know, the, the, the most frequented spot for them historically, you know, it's, it's like, uh, okay, all right, where's the bathroom? Where do I, where's the bench? Where's the locker room? So I'm not saying they don't know that entirely folks. I'm just being a little bit more facetious. It's just, Boston, New Jersey, uh, it's, it's not the matchup I always I think about. So maybe maybe more unexpected this, but I've talked about this enough. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think the uh, the wild card here is where Toronto ends up because I think that Toronto versus New Jersey is I think going to be the harder matchup of the two, and so I think if Tampa plays New Jersey, I think they're going to kind of cakewalk out of this first round. But if they end up playing Toronto, I think that is going to be a lot tougher of a matchup. And I could even see a crazy upset here with Toronto coming out on top against Tampa. Whereas I think whichever team plays New Jersey, I think they are going to come out of the first round. Nothing against New Jersey, but they are not really that deep. They don't really have the depth that is going to, uh, it's going to take to make it in a playoff series. So we'll see. I mean, like at this point, if we, if it stays the way it is right now, I see Tampa and Boston coming out. Um, but I think Toronto is going to give Boston a run for their money. Um, and or Tampa, depending on who plays there. So let's shift over to the Western conference. So where everything uh, is settled and nothing is in the air and we can actually talk about these things. <laughs> exactly. So let's look at the Pacific Conference first. So we have the Vegas Golden Knights, as was foretold in the prophecy, have finished first in the Pacific. They are playing Los Angeles. In the other side, we have Anaheim. Is it going to be the home team by one point against San Jose? All right. So who are the two teams that you see coming out of this matchup? I th- uh, I think Vegas could not ask for a better opponent to have in this their christening into the NHL playoffs. I think Los Angeles is a perfect uh, Kings Knights. I mean, that's that's a that's a Doc Emmerich raid if I've ever heard one. Knights Kings damsels distress <laughs> hockey. Tonight. Next. <laughs> Next. Uh, I think Vegas is going to beat the Kings, but the Kings are going to give them the fight that they so richly deserve. Um, I I would like to, at some point, it'd be really nice to see uh, Anze Kopitar get a little bit more of the press that he so rightly deserves, especially having to play in a market like LA where they constantly give the Sacramento Kings logo to them rather than their actual logo. So that would be kind of neat. But I, I think Vegas is going to handle the Kings pretty well, but again, they're new for all, you know, maybe Vegas has used up all their magic already, right? They, they power their way to a first place finish and, but then they just, this is this is new. I think that's where Los Angeles can put up more of a fight because they've been there before and they have experience. So, so that'll be something. Um, and then out of Anaheim and San Jose, I want Anaheim to win. 
I think that'd be really fun because I hate San Jose way more than I, it's, this is like, it's like a Boston, New York matchup for me, right? Like there's always like one, like when they're playing a bunch of other people, I'll root against them. But if it's head to head, I take Anaheim over to San Jose all the time. Cause you know, what's in Anaheim, Peter Disneyland. What's in San Jose, <laughs> the 49ers. I rest my case. <laughs> Yeah, so I think um, I'm going to go with Vegas in the first round, and I'm going to go with San Jose beating Anaheim in a tough series. Um, I think it's going to be close, but I think it's going to be about six games. Uh, So now moving over to the Central, we have Nashville versus Colorado. Colorado beating out uh, St. Louis on the last day of the season. And then we have the matchup that has been preordained for a while now, Winnipeg and Minnesota. So what do you have coming out of the Central? Well, let's talk about the the last second switcheroo, the the, the Johnny No-Look switch-up of the matchup for, for Nashville and Colorado. Um, that is hilarious, and I find it really funny that Colorado, a, a, a team that got rid of one of their I mean I won't say he's their he was their top player but he was certainly regarded as one of the top three players on their team traded Duchesne to to Ottawa in a in a very quiet deal one that didn't really raise a lot of people's eyebrows you know kind of went under the radar uh kidding of course uh I think Nashville Steamrolls Colorado, which will just make the Wings fan that I am just so, so very happy because the last time they got steamrolled was by us, which was fun. So uh, I'm a big fan of being pro Nashville in this case. They are the President's Trophy winning team. So good for them. And then Winnipeg, Minnesota. Uh, Winnipeg has been my pick for the last six months. So uh, it's going to be Winnipeg coming out of this. I think Minnesota is just, you know, it's it's like a it's like a participation trophy thing, right? It's like, oh yeah, you get to go to the playoffs. Oh, that's fun. But then you see it's the Winnipeg Jets, and you're like, oh, can we not go? Can mm-hmm. we not go now? Can mm-hmm. we just give it back to the Blues? So I think it's like all the joy and adulation of like, hey, we we beat the one alien, but then we forgot about the six hundred standing behind him. Oh well, here we go. So yeah, I think I think it's going to be Nashville and Winnipeg moving on after those. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, like I'm not going to drag this out. It's not going to be. It's, it's going to be Nashville, and Winnipeg. Yeah, I mean, I, like if it's not, it's going to be a crazy uh, upset here. Okay, so let's go to the conference finals and who we think is going to come out of the conference. All right. So over in the East, who do you think is going to be playing for the conference final and who do you think is going to come out of it? All right. Well, now for this, uh, this is fun. This is a fun thing to think about. Um, If I'm thinking about the Eastern conference final, I would like it to be the Leafs and Penguins with the Leafs taking over. I think it'll be really funny to see the Toronto Maple Leafs come out of this. Yes, that means I'm ignoring the powerhouse juggernaut that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I'm feeling saucy today. I think I picked the Lightning yesterday, but that was before all these things changed. So I think it's going to be Leafs-Penguins for your Eastern Conference Final with the Leafs unseating the defending champs. What about you? 
Interesting, because I am going with Tampa Bay versus the Penguins. And I'm going to repeat what I said yesterday, which is that I am doing the reverse jinx because I really want Washington to finally get past Pittsburgh. And I have a feeling that if I predict that, that I'm going to jinx it. So I'm going to say Tampa Bay versus uh, Pittsburgh. I think Tampa Bay makes it through to the Stanley Cup finals out of the East. Now, in the West, what are you thinking, Jay? Okay, so for your Western Conference final, it's going to be the Jets and the Golden Knights with the Jets finally defeating the bizarre entity that is the Golden Knights. Um, I believe that Winnipeg will be uh, handing the justice that has been so rightly deserved for us, the hockey community, because we've been forced to eat our lunches the last six months. Uh, if we're going to get really literary and Shakespearean with this, I'd like to, like in Vegas, to Macbeth. And uh, no no man of woman born, again, no team that hasn't moved shall defeat them. But, haha, Winnipeg has moved. So that's their secret weapon against the juggernaut that is the Golden Knights. And big shout-out to Connor Hellebuck, the flagship from the township. Uh, he's uh, doing some pretty awesome things. And, you know, Patrick Line, Blake Wheeler, Mike Sh- Mark Scheifele, you know, just some random nobodies, right? So that's that's my Western Conference sh- scenario. What about you? Well, I think that San Jose is going to beat Vegas in their matchup, and I think Nashville is going to come out of that side. And I am going to go with Nashville to come out and play Tampa Bay. And in my Stanley Cup final, I'm going to have Tampa Bay winning it all. So for you, who is going to be our Stanley Cup champion? It's going to be the Winnipeg Jets. It's going to be the Winnipeg Jets because 2018 is already a dumpster fire year. So why not have a Leafs-Jets Cup final? That would just completely torch everything. Gary Bettman would have to have like 800 teleconferences going like, everything is fine. The game is more popular than ever. You know, worrying about whether or not any of the American markets will watch, which they PS probably will. I would like to think so, but you never know. But I think it'd be really funny to watch Canada eat itself over watching Winnipeg beating Toronto because Toronto has been this whole thing like we have to get Toronto back. We have to get them back to the forefront. They have this, 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 this thing. It's a total thing that we need to get back on track. And now that they're back on track, it'd be really funny if the team that uh, the city that just has been toiling in agony for so long because their team left and now that's back. I think it'd just be really funny and deserved for Winnipeg to hand Toronto a cup finals loss and then, uh, and then race the cup. So yeah, that's my pick. I mean, it's going to be everything is awesome. <laughs> everything is cool when you can't grow a beard. <laughs> Patrick Line for Con Smythe. Anyway, all right. So, so there you have it. There are our Stanley Cup uh, playoff picks. Now, if you hang on, you are going to hear a great interview with Colin Beswick from the Stanley Cup of Chowder websites. Okay, so for our interview segment this week, we have Colin Beswick. He is from Stanley Cup of Chowder, and he's a writer there. I've read a lot of stuff on there, interacted with him on Twitter uh, a bunch of times, uh, including probably about a topic that I'm sure we'll talk about uh, in this interview. Um, But one of the reasons I wanted to have him on is because 
their site, and I know he's been a huge part of this, has recently lost their own podcast, which is uh, called Unsupervised. And so we'll we'll try to get back to this at the end. But just in case, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at C-B-E-S-W-I-C-K. And then the podcast is at S-B Unsupervised. Um, and Supervised has an extra O in there, like the soup or chowder. All right. So, Colin, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good. Uh, we, we had a we had a decent end to the season last night. Uh, at least we got a good overtime. Um, we got to see... Uh, John Tavares play probably the most disinterested game I've ever seen from him until the overtime. <laughs> uh, and I, I know that you guys are, uh, are gearing up for, uh, for the last game of the season. Yeah, we have the snowed out game that's being uh, played tonight at 730, which actually has playoff impl- implications. So theoretically, it should be a good game tonight. Yeah, I like, so, the, I like your liberal sorry. use of theoretically there. Because with <laughs> hockey, hockey theory, just it... Man, I don't think I've ever seen a more consistently solid yet not solid form of science. Like, <laughs> like hockey continues to set its own rules and its own laws and then will break them in favor of new ones. It's really a progressive sport. <laughs> yeah, you always think you know what's going to happen, and then the team comes out and uh, proves you wrong time and time again. So we'll see. <laughs> and I were actually at the game last night, uh, which was fun to, uh, to actually catch it as a fan instead of uh, – being there for writing and stuff. Oh, and I actually here before we get started, I I was uh, I saw that on Twitter. I think we we interacted briefly about that um, because that brings us back to a topic that um, uh, when we had Scott Matla on from the the uh, the Canadian site, we talked about this at length about the kind of code of conduct for being a hockey fan at a live game where other people are around you. Um, so what happened last night that annoyed you? Because the, the only reason I ask is because this is this was like my number one thing when we had that discussion that just annoys the crap out of me. Yeah, so it was, uh, I should have known it would happen every time it seems like I catch a game, whether it's Bruins or, or another league. My wife and I went and just immediately from the time we sat down, we had a guy behind us who had been pre-gaming if I had to, to make an assumption. And <laughs> I think he had it in his head that he was trying out to be the new Nesson broadcaster because, I mean, he was doing his best Jack Edwards impersonation just from before the puck even drops. Just, this is offside, shoot the puck, hit someone, just all night long. So it was uh, it was an experience. Yeah, I had one time, uh, and, and I think this was the impetus for uh, for the discussion with Scott, although I don't think I actually mentioned it at the time. I had tickets to a Red Wings uh, New Jersey game because I live in New Jersey, and I you know bought two tickets ahead of time, and my wife was not able to go. And so I was like, well, I don't want to just go by myself, but I don't want to just – you know, like it would be nice to have somebody to go with. And so I put up on our site on the discussion board – um, hey, I got a free ticket. You know, if you're a Red Wings fan, that's great, but it doesn't have to be as long as and, – and I think I put in there the caveat, like, as long as you are not the type of person who thinks that all of their internal thoughts have to be externalized. <laughs> and somebody emailed me, and I was like – he's like, yeah, I'm a New Jersey fan, but I saw that and blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, cool, fine, whatever. You know, I don't want to just eat the cost of this ticket. I mean, at least you should go to somebody. It was probably the worst fan experience of my life. This guy was like the ultimate in the players can hear me and they care what I think. 
Uh, so I, I do have to say, I felt really bad last night um, for, for you and your wife, because I know what an unpleasant experience that is. Um, but just real quick, let's get into a, like an actual question. So like you, uh, like you said, when, when, our, uh, when our listeners listen to this on Monday, this will have already been decided. But right now, uh, Boston is playing tonight. So it looks like if you, um, if you lose, you're going to play Toronto. And if you win, you're going to play New Jersey. So out of those two, as a Boston fan and obviously, uh, you know, uh, enthusiast, who do you want to play? So I, I don't want to, you know, hockey's all about respect. I don't want to disrespect the Devils, but uh, to me, it's a pretty obvious choice. Uh, that if if it was up to me, I'd want the Bruins to play New Jersey versus Toronto. And I, again, no disrespect to Taylor Hall, who's you know a finalist for the MVP. But the Bruins have played uh, Maple Leafs four times, and every game has been a dogfight. And I have a lot of respect for Mike Babcock and his team. And while I think the Bruins should be the favorites no matter who they face up against, Toronto can certainly do some damage too. So if, if it's up to me, I'd go Devils. They don't have as much depth up and down the lineup. Um, and the Bruins have faced off pretty well against them this, se- this season as well. Yeah, earlier we, uh, we we were doing our discussion of the uh, the playoff series, and it definitely looked like your matchup with uh, your matchup with Toronto was definitely not as favorable uh, as New Jersey. And um, like you were saying, I think one of the interesting things uh, about this matchup is that Toronto has many many more weapons. Uh, you know, uh, New Jersey, like you said, Taylor Hall obviously is going to be in the contention for the Hart Trophy. But at the same time, like one of the craziest statistics for me this year is that the second place person on New Jersey is 42 points behind him. So if you're talking about a well-balanced offense, I think uh, you'd definitely be a lot more scared uh, of Toronto. Um, Now, sorry, going into the playoffs, um, I know obviously Tuka Rask has been a very good performer. But I know this year he was a little up and down, if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong. So what do you what are you feeling about uh, your goaltending as you enter the playoffs? So it, it, I don't know if it's been statistically a banner year for Tuca, but I'm pretty confident in him. Uh, for anyone who, who follows Bruins Twitter at all, he's certainly a lightning rod for either praise or criticism. And it doesn't seem to be a middle ground with him. You either love him or you hate him. I find myself somewhere in the middle, like I do with most analysis. Um, I think he's a, a very good goaltender. Um, he, like I said, he hasn't had his best year, but I'm pretty confident in his play going into the postseason. I think a lot of it, fortunately for him, uh, he gets compared to Tim Thomas routinely. Everyone just can't get the 2011 Cup on Tim Thomas out of their brain. So it's not fair. They play very different styles. And Tuka has acquitted himself very well in his career here. So I don't really have any concerns with that. To me, the only concern I have is, you know, who's playing in front of him on defense with all the injuries they've had this year. Well, in my personal experience, having used a, ver- a number 99 version of him in the last few weeks in NHL 18, I have to say I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I've, I don't have a lot of doubts about him either. I mean, he kind of has to worry about, you know, those bomb shots from the point when Ray Bork is charging down the line. But, you know, it's, I don't think you have to worry too much about that when you play New Jersey or, or Toronto. But I, I was – Pete and I were talking earlier, and so the, the the Bruins and the Leafs, I personally want that to be the series. I I 
I hate it that these are the series that have to happen so early. I'd like that to be a conference final if it was possible, or even at least a second round. But Pete and I were talking about a, a faded event that your team was a part of, and I just wanted to get your reaction on it because I, I got the Leafs reaction because it was like a tsunami. It was like a waterfall. But you were part of the birth of it was 4-1, right? So, you know, now now that we're a few years on and the potential of a rematch here, you know, what are your feelings? I mean, are, are you confident that it won't be a, a different result and, and, and feel free to reflect on it as much or as little as possible because I'm sure for you at that time when it was 4-1, you you were feeling some things, so you know if, if you want to just recap that night for us and and what you think could be should you play the leaves that are of the maple variety. Yeah, that uh, that's actually the only time I think in my hockey fandom I've ever left. Um, I wasn't at the game; we were out with friends, and I can't remember what the event was. But there was a group of us just bar hopping, and um, my wife and I were the only hockey fans in the group, so we were kind of paying attention at the bar we were at and the group wanted us to leave and right as we were leaving they scored the first of uh, the goals I was arguing with the group like now we can't can't I have to watch this so I ended up, <laughs> I ended up watching it from the outside of a bar <laughs> looking through the, uh, the window as, as everyone else went on and, and went down to other bars and stuff and I just losing my mind as they uh, <laughs> they came back so it's kind of an interesting memory for, uh, for my wife and I, as we were just kind of being those people who the hockey was a bit more important uh, than than just hanging out with everyone else. But in terms of uh, this year's matchup, like I said, I, I I think the Bruins should be the favorites against really anyone, just about. But that being said, this is hockey and anything can happen. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bruins fell down the first two games against Toronto if that's who they match up against, there's a lot of talent on that team. Um, so yeah, you never want to take any oppo- opponent lately, but Toronto scares the wrong word. We talked about that in our first uh, episode of Unsupervised, but there's certainly a healthy respect, I'm sure, from the Bruins themselves, but also among the fan base when you look at a team that has depth all the way up and down the lineup like Toronto does. Looking at what players Sagan and Kessel have become now. I mean, are those? Do you do you do? You, and feel free to stretch your Doctor Strange, Doctor Who, like alternate universe legs here. But do you think you'd be in as good a position as you are now had those players found their current groove with you guys? Or are we talking like that episode of Community where when Troy leaves, like Jeff loses an arm, Annie shoots. <laughs> And he shoots Pierce in the leg. Shirley's covered in blood. You know, do you, like are, like given those are just some of the most criticized moves in recent memory. Are you are you in a firm won the trade mood, or do you like kind of wish that those guys are back? No, I don't think they. Uh, I don't think Shirley's won many many trades throughout his career. <laughs> but um, that that's a tough one because it's sort of like the butterfly effect. As as bad as those trades were, and to me, the Sagan trade is is by far the worst of the two, but uh, if they didn't happen, obviously there are plenty of ripple effects afterwards that wouldn't have happened. Or if you look at where the team is now, I think most fans are pretty content, pretty happy with where the team is, is at now and where they're going forward. 
but at the time that it happened and in the following you know a couple of years after that it's hard not to look at that and just shake your head and cry a little bit if you're a fan the thing with sagan though and it gets beaten to death here in boston and new england um comes up every time we play um all the time i hate to say it because it's such a cliche but I do wonder if he would have turned into the player that he has in Dallas if he stayed here. It sort of gets brushed under the rug a little bit, but there were pretty legitimate character concerns. I just the return that you got is inexcusable. If you're going to trade some of that magnitude, you have to get a little more than uh, you did. And I love Louis Erickson, even though he's having a, had a terrible year in Vancouver. I am uh, not so closet fan of, of him. I think he can be a, an excellent player when he's healthy, but you just can't trade away a you know a top five score league and not get anything really in return. Yeah, so I um, coming off of something you said, I wanted to talk about um, one of my favorite uh, mountain men in history, and you know, speaking of bad trades, any listener to our podcast knows that I grew up an Islanders fan with the Red Wings as my second team until I switched uh, a few years back um, and took the Red Wings as my, as my number one. And um, I remember as an Islanders fan in 1996, when we drafted a defenseman named Sedano Chara (laughs) and Mike Milbury decided that he would trade him to Ottawa. And then he found his way to Boston and obviously the rest has been history. So what is your favorite or or if you want to tell more than one, that's great. Cause like I always love these. What's your favorite Chara story or favorite Chara stories? So I don't uh so I've only been covering a team for about a year now, but um Chara's one of those guys where you hear the hockey cliche where everyone's a great guy and they're classy and all that. I and mean, it's true for the most part, hockey players are you know very down to earth, humble, humble people. Chara might literally be the most down-to-earth, humble guy um, that I've met in my time. So he recently celebrated, if my memory serves me correctly, I think it was his 1400th NHL game. And I actually covered that game. And in, in the post game, I went over to talk to him uh, in the media scrums. And most of the media were interviewing, I, I want to say it was Tuka Rask at the time. And so I started talking to him, you know, just kind of passing the time. And he actually asked me, you know, I congratulate him on his 1400th game and all of that. And he, he asked me if we could wait for other media members to come there because they were interviewing other players. In fact, it was Matt Grizzlick who they were interviewing who had had a big game and he was still fairly new to the team. And he was more worried about, you know, Matty Grizzlick getting a chance to, to shine from the media than getting any time to, to reflect on his, you know, huge accomplishment and all of that. And I know it's just, it's not a, a super great story, but that's just sort of the guy that Chara is that no matter what the situation is, he's always looking out for everyone else around him. You know, he's well-spoken, he's humble. And as a member of the media, he's, he's great to deal with because, you know, he's so professional, he's so willing to discuss anything and give honest answers and, like I said, you don't want to get too wrapped up in the cliches of, you know, everyone's a classy guy or whatever, but he really is. And he's great to be around. He's great for the team. And obviously he's had a fantastic career, which I've been lucky enough to catch, you know, pretty much every game in, in his Bruins career. Yeah. I mean, that that's pretty much what I've heard from, you know, every story or every, uh, 
every reporter or um, you know person who's who's been close to him. Um, he just seems like he's one of those one of those people that like every single person who's ever come in contact with just has something good to say about him. Yeah, I, I've never heard anything bad about the guy, and uh, that, that says a lot in the, the day and age where there's constantly negativity around any player on any team. So. So standing next to him, it's like a sequoia, right? <laughs> it's funny that I probably sound like an idiot, but I don't mind. Um, the first time I met him, I actually came home. I was all excited, you know, like I got to meet, you know, Zidane Chara, talking to my wife, who's a huge, you know, hockey and Bruins fan. My first thought was, he's not that big. But you have to understand, I'm six foot five myself. So in my head, you know, he's this massive guy. And when you get to talk to him, yeah, he's, he's obviously a very large guy, but you, know, you build them up into like this sort of superhuman um superhero sized people and then you sort of forget that yeah i'm also you know a pretty big guy myself but yeah he is he's certainly big but i just i always chuckle when i think about that and i tell people that story like what do you mean he's not big he's six foot nine but uh yeah he's he's definitely big yeah there was uh there was a time where i was thinking about it i was like ah geez you know it'd, it'd be it'd be really neat if there was a you know like a a whole brand of like Chara themed tall things <laughs> and, and like, 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 like Chara's Chara bridges, Chara power. Like, I just felt like he was going to like, if hockey didn't work out, it was going to be like perfect for him to just segue into any sort of sponsorship. Well, Jay, I mean, obviously Chara's churros is the obvious one. Like a six foot long churro. The Bruins are responsible again. And I, and I, I'm begrudgingly admitting this because, you know, I, I do have a, uh, a healthy a hatred for you guys, um, but uh, the the you did kind of come up with one of my favorite uh, commercial brands, and it was the the Boston Bear, the Bruin, and uh, I think the commercial in question was noticing a Bruins fan dating a, a Canadians fan, and just the bear just like slapping the beer don't out of his hands and again, oh. Oh yeah, don't date the thing, and just the whole. I, I think there's another one where like he chased a guy down the escalator, like the famous escalator that's at the TD Garden. Like, Classic. Just, again, for all of the for all the stuff that I like, give you guys a bunch of crap for. I mean, I do have to tip my cap on that because without that, I don't know if hockey is in the. I don't know if hockey's profitable without it. So that's that was the the long and short. So um, if you just do more of those. So I maybe would hate you guys less. I would really appreciate. Have either of you guys had a chance to see the uh, in our blood commercials the Bruins media team has put together? In particular, they uh, they have one where they are trashing Mike Felger, who's sort of the king of Boston sports media talk radio. At the beginning of the year, he said the Bruins were going to go nowhere. They were too young. You know, the season was over like a month into the season, and so they they made a, a radio and TV ad that. Uh, Late his voice over just clips of all of the Bruins young players scoring and generally looking terrific and just sort of lightly trolled him uh, every night there's a game on. So they've uh, they've sort of upped the ante around here. They've done some pretty great work with uh, some of the commercials and stuff. I haven't seen it, but I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Uh, you said it's in our blood. I'm, I'm guessing if I like YouTube that, I'll, I should be able to find yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. They have some, there's a whole series of them and that. Most of them are poking fun at uh, 
I don't want to say your average or your quintessential Bruins fan, but there's certainly some light ribbing of uh, some of the stereotypical Bruins fans, which is great from my perspective. If you have a sense of humor, there's certainly a few subsets of Bruins fans, including our buddy from last night uh, at the game. So they're they're worth watching if you have a few minutes. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Um, so like I alluded to in the uh, the beginning of our conversation, um, one of the things that you and I have interacted on Twitter about is um, the Department of Player Safety, the DOPS, in which the E is implied uh, in that saying to make dopes. Um, they they have not really had a banner year. Now, obviously, like, like I want to talk about them in general, but at the same time, like I feel like I have to, and, and this is always hard because it's kind of like the elephant in the room. Um we have to address one of the players on your team. And I, I will definitely give you credit because you have been one of the, 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 the Boston people I follow on Twitter that I interact with that has been, I think, the most critical of this player. And so I am, of course, um, referring to Brad Marchand. And Jay and I have talked about wait, him. Wait, 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 wait. You're not, you're not talking about Tory Krug? That guy's, a, that guy's a maniac. He killed three people yesterday. What do you mean? <laughs> and so, so Jay and I have talked about him many times on the show. And the thing that I always come back to is that the thing that annoys me the most about him is that I get more annoyed about the, the, the stuff he does, the better a player he turns out to be. Um. Like it's one thing if you're going to be that type of a player when you're not that re- you know you, you know you're not really that good you don't really have that that high skill level but when you have the skills that he does and you have the ability to do what he does it's it's, it's kind of hard to get so the question I'm going to ask you is this and like you can kind of go off in whatever direction you want here is how have you found like like what difficulties have you found in trying to address um, the actions that he does as a Bruins fan. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, whether it's, you know, as a fan or as someone who covers the team, because at the end of the day, as, as much as being a sports fan is about, sure. you know, the, the enjoyment and everything as a person, I, I try to be objective. It's something I take pride in. And as you know, we've interacted. Uh, player safety is a big thing with me. Um, league-wide and it is sort of hard to, to go on these diatribes about player safety when you have a, a notorious um, offender on the team you cover and any anytime I interact with fans or other media members who cover different teams it's always a but you have Martian on your team how can you criticize player x or player y Ideally, you criticize both, and I, I try to do my best to do that. But with Marchand, it's one of those things I've, I've watched his whole career from when he was, you know, a fourth-line player fighting for ice time all the way to legitimately being one of the best players in the league. You know, he would have been, a, I think, an M- MVP finalist perhaps if he hadn't missed uh, games to injury and suspension uh, this year. But I think we've seen enough of his career at this point where it's fair to say he can't separate – that part of his game from the skill and, you know, all the positives that he brings to the table, which is unfortunate because he is one of the most skilled players in, in the league. Um, he seems to thrive off of, you know, playing on that edge. You know, when Claude was still here, something that was constantly discussed, he was constantly meeting with, with Brad, talking about that sort of stuff. 
but for whatever reason, he can't seem to to consistently go without, you know, towing that line and oftentimes going well past the line as well. And as a fan, as a, as a member of the media, it, it's frustrating and it's difficult because, you know, we're in the locker room with him. You know, we do have to interact, but at the same time, you know, our readers and our followers expect us to be objective about, um, you know, his behavior when it does cross the line. So, you know, you do have to, you, there is your own line as someone who covers a team where you have to be critical where it's deserved, but at the same time it is access-based journalism. So you are, you know, you can't go overboard with it either. So it's it's always <laughs> exciting. I'll say that uh, covering the team or even being a fan, you know, t- the other night, um, and this is something probably fans outside of Boston don't like hearing, but he has been a target more so than ever. He always has been because of the style he plays. But this year, teams are legitimately, you know, taking every opportunity to knock him out of games, and which is a smart strategy if you're another team because he's shown that he can't uh, keep his cool in those yeah. situations often. But there's been some pretty egregious hits on him this year that have gone uncalled or un- unpenalized. And so I actually said on Twitter the other night that I would seriously consider just sitting him for the remaining, there was like eight or 10 minutes left. And I didn't look like they were going to win anyways, because you're going to need him in the playoffs. But it's not a good thing that arguably your best player, you have to worry about either him getting hurt as a result of, of his play or that he's going to go and do something you know, stupid and potentially be suspended for a playoff yeah. match. So it, it's never a dull moment when you're talking about Martian. Yeah, and it's really weird because I look at it like if you looked at his his stats and his skill sheet, like think of it in the sense of a video game. It's like someone in him, like okay, so we're gonna put his stick handling up to ninety nine, and and his wrist shot's gonna be really great. And then they're like, well, you have to have a give and take. You have to like dumb some of the other stuff down. And then like the god developer was like, nah, nah, he's just gonna be re- a really really skilled rat. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be like watching the. I think I saw this one commercial one time where it was uh, like a guy is asked by his girlfriend to smash a spider and like the spider is basically playing DOD and like the spider like throws defend against the guy and he rolls a 20. So it's like this little tiny spider just doing the Hulk to Loki thing, like smashing them all over the room. And I feel like I look at Martian. I'm like, if he, I don't know, ran into like the Greek God Zeus or (laughs) let's say maybe Groot in like full Groot form, Martian would be like, "Eh." same thing. Yeah. 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 Same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it's, it, it's definitely a tough thing. Cause I know for me, like I said, growing up uh, an Islanders fan, I remember that, you know, there were times where I had to kind of disavow players on my team. Uh, I've, I brought up this incident before. Um, there was an incident with Trevor Gillies where he decided that he was going to, after he was escorted off the ice, he was going to taunt a player that he had actually just concussed. And at that point, I was like, I am done with him. Um, and so it's weird because if I had to, like, categorize Marchand and put him into, like, a like a tier or a category or whatever, you know, the, the players that I would put him in with, he is so much better than them. You know, I mean, like, you would think, like, you know, you're Sean Avery's. You know, uh, with Detroit, he's an enigma. He is, yeah. he's like the black hole. You're like, you can't fit him in too weird to live too unique to die. Yeah. That's, that's, that's right. 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 Because like, I mean, the one thing I want to make sure that I don't get away from is he is incredibly skilled. I mean, he just has, uh, an incredible skill level. 
Um, and like I said, for me, that just makes it worse. You know, it's one thing if you have like a fourth line player, you know, like last year on Detroit, we had Steve Ott, you know, trying to justify his place in the lineup. So he goes around and he does, you know, really stupid stuff to try to get a rise out of somebody so he can get a fight. And then he can, you know, hopefully, you know, I don't know, you know, get the team going or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but, um, like I was saying before, I think, you know, uh, Colin, you and I are definitely in agreements on the uh, ineptness of the Department of Player Safety this year. They have uh, not really done a great job. Um, but before we close out, I have um, I have put together a game. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that we had time to get to this. This is going to be the last thing we do. This is uh, it's not going to be the year 2000 game for the people listening at home. Um, this is going to be a different game, and this is both my favorite game I've ever put together and my least favorite game I've ever put together. And the, oh, good lord! <laughs> well, the reason is because I thought it was such a good idea, and then it took me so long to put together eight questions uh, when I was obviously hoping for more. So yeah. Anyway, so this game is called uh, because Jay and I. Um, on the next segment after this, we're going to talk about the uh, the trophy selections for this year. And the biggest thing has been the heart trophy. The biggest um, controversial thing has been the heart trophy. So I wanted to come up with something like that. So this game is called Hearts, Hearts, or Heart to Heart. And so basically... Sweet Jesus. Here we <laughs> go. Yep. So based on the clue, you have to guess if this is a reference to a heart trophy winner now, you don't have to guess who it actually is. Just a Hart Trophy winner in the past. The band Hart with Anne and Nancy Wilson. Or the television show Heart to Heart. All right, so those are your three choices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, well, Colin, Colin uh, may, may, the best, may the best Colin win. <laughs> and, of course, for our listeners who love to play at home, uh, you can try to try to beat these people uh, because this is, this is going to be a pretty tough game. Um, I hope that you'll have as much fun taking it as I did putting it together. All right, so um, let's see. I'm going to roll a wheel over here, spin the dice, spin the dice. Okay, Jay, you're going first. You ready? Oh, great. Okay, here we go. So, again, your answers are Heart Trophy, Heart Band, or Heart to Heart, which is the TV show. All right. Okay. Known more as a pair than an individual person, even though this person has achieved a lot on their own. I have to go Heart to Heart. That is incorrect. The answer is Henrik Sedin, who won the Heart Trophy. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Number two. Well, off to a great start. We're on to Colin. All right. Here we go. Has a connection to the Austin Powers movie series. Yeah, you weren't joking about this being hard. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's tough. I'm going to go with uh, Heart to Heart, I guess. That is correct. Robert Wagner was the star of Heart to Heart, and he played number two in the Austin Powers series. That's nice. All right, next up, Jay, here we go. Well known for going... Crazy on you. Okay. I'm going to have to thank goodness that, uh, and then here's a shout out to my best friend, Joe Maciel for, because this would, that was the one song that he and I would constantly <laughs> kick the crap out of each other on in guitar hero too. That would be 
the band heart. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. The answer is Corey Perry. He won the heart okay. trophy in 2010, oh, 2011. Cool, cool. All right. Well, I, I, I was uh, that. That just proves that I can't ever talk again. That's cool. All right, I'm just gonna mute the mic from now on. It's that's that's good stuff. All right, next up, matters. Next up, number four is retired with three top ten hits. I'm just gonna shoot from the hip. I'm going heart the band. That is incorrect. The answer is uh, heart trophy. Eric Lindros, 1995, three Ooh. top ten hits. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. I get this now. Okay, you jerk. All right, keep going. Okay. Let's go. Okay, here we go. Number five. We're eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2012, but we're not first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, geez. Um, not eligible first. Okay, eligible in 2012. Uh, gosh, I, see, I want... All right, Heart Trophy. Oh, I'm sorry. It was the band Heart. They were eligible in 2012, but they were not inducted until the following year, 2013. Okay, here we go. Uh, Number six, Colin. Repeated for five straight seasons in the 1980s. Ooh. Um, I'm going to go with the TV show again. We'll try it again. That That is correct. All right. That is correct. Um, the uh, Heart to Art air for five seasons in the 1980s. Um, the trick question here was Gretzky won eight straight Heart trophies in the 1980s. All right, Jay, here we go. Number seven. Ranked number 57 on the recent top 100 list. Okay, see, this is crappy because, of course, that, that leads you. Okay, all right. Uh, I mean, the... the Heart Trophy, please let it be right. <laughs> the band Heart was number 57th on... Okay, all right. This is unfair. Congratulations. On VH1's 100 Greatest Artists in the History of Rock. Of course, because, right, because the bait is that the NHL's top 100 player list is a sham, and that that's what made me answer well, that. So Thanks. So I'm going to go hang out with Captain Sirius as one of the top... Is, is the top seven people on the list. All right. Ask, ask Colin the question. I, I wait with bated breath. Love you, Jay. All right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> the last question. Change locations during its run. Uh, hmm. My brain immediately goes to the band with touring. That's probably not the right answer, but I'm going to heart the band. I'm sorry, Joe Thornton won the Hart Trophy in 2005-2006, in which he was traded from Boston to San Jose. So anyway, so um, Colin Colin wins that ridiculously hard quiz. Um, So I'm not sure how you fared at home, but hopefully you did well. Hopefully you thought it was interesting and not horrible, like because I'm pretty sure after we finish recording this, Jay is going to murder me. Uh, So... (laughs) Uh, anyway, no, it just means I got to brush up on my heart to heart and my heart and heart uh, knowledge. So it was yeah, tough because like, know, I, as I was thinking, like originally I was going to do entertainment tonight because that started Mary Heart. Um, then you had like Carrie Hart, the X Games person. And so it was it was pretty tough to narrow it down. So um, anyway. Thank you so much, Colin, for joining us uh, this time. And uh, like I said before, um Definitely want to give a shout out to your new podcast, Unsupervised. 
so please, if you're listening to this, please go find it. Um, so before we sign off, uh, Colin, how can they find that? So you can find that at anchor.com slash unsupervised. You can find it on Apple Podcasts by searching S-C-O-C S unsupervised podcast. It is also up on a variety of other platforms. It's on Overcast. Um, it'll be up on Google Play and Spotify, hopefully in the next week or two, um, as well as some other smaller providers. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming by. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Colin. And I look forward to more commercials of you as the Boston Bear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So earlier in the episode, we talked about the Stanley Cup playoffs coming up. And when it's playoff time, it's also time for um, NHL award uh, predictions and prognostications. So if you haven't been living under a rock, and by that I mean if you have a Twitter account, you have seen the hockey Twitter community up in arms and sniping at each other and just going crazy about the Hart Trophy. So the Hart Trophy is awarded to the player who is judged to be most valuable to his team. And you are basically seeing a lot of semantic arguments about what it means to be <laughs> valuable. So Jay, do you, what do you think about this? What do you think about this, this, this kind of kerfluffle? Um, Cause for me, there is one player that I think should definitely win this award, even though, I believe that other players have had fantastic seasons. So what do you think about this? Who do you think should win this and why? I'm kind of surprised that this is the the ridiculousness that we're seeing only because I think situations like this have been happening for a while, but like the community of, of hockey folk has been able to keep their heads on straight, but I don't know if there's just because the timelines have split and all of a sudden we're living in a bunch of overlapping realities that somehow now all of hockey of uh, all of hockey is now split on what exactly the definition of the heart means. Hmm. So, um, like for instance, I think in the scheme of things, I'm ecstatic that we're having conversation, right? Like, most of the time, I'm trying to remember the last time a heart conversation was as as I don't know if vitriolic is the right word, but but heated, nasty. Hmm. They like people are people have feelings. They have feelings about this, right? So you're like, oh, okay, well, there's obviously something to it. So um, I I see the arguments. I see them out there. I don't know if I'm – I'm going to spoil it for you. I don't think I have any, like, arbitrary superpowers to try and divine which one's right or which one's correct. But, like, based on track record of what I've mostly seen is the heart being awarded. I love all this talk about heart stuff for, for, for Hall and for McDavid, but it's got to be Kucherov. I, I, I find it very hard to believe that anything that Kucherov has done – somehow is lesser compared to what McDavid and Hall have done. But I don't think anything that McDavid and Hall have done is even remotely close to Kucherov. So, I don't know. I My personal feeling is that it's like this all has to be for show. 
Like, do you think somebody like did like a secret execute order 66 and like forced hockey Twitter to actually fight about this, but they all know what the actual answer is for quite some time. They just mm-hmm. wanted to make things interesting. Cause if we're talking about straight up value to your team, yes, every single team can have one player that is most valuable. So then now you're like, Oh, out of all of the teams, who is the mostest valuableist? I, okay. Don't get me wrong. I love McDavid. Right. And I think Taylor Hall has done a fantastic job coming out of nowhere, but I think you got to go with longevity and, and, and position. Tampa is squarely where they are because of the entire makeup of their cast, but it'd be obviously nothing without Kucherov. I think, without McDavid and without Hall. Obviously, those teams don't get anywhere, but I think Kucherov not only helps his team, but then is also a phenomenally above the the, the average player. And his points and, and production have, have sh- shown that for six months. <laughs> like, this isn't most valuable player of the last week, right? Like, I think it's Kucherov. I don't know what hockey Twitter is all up in arms about. Yeah, I think it's fun to have a conversation, but that's me. Was I right, Pete? Did I pick the right guys? <laughs> no. <laughs> I figured. I figured. So tell the, tell the fun kids at home what's going on, what's in your head, what's in your heart. For me, it's Taylor Hall, and it's not close. <laughs> oh, and here's oh, why. Here's oh, why. You poor thing. It's very, oh, it's very simple. Thing. It's very simple. Okay. Taylor Hall has 93 points. The second best, the second highest player on New Jersey is 42 points behind, which is Nico Heischer. If you're talking Kucherov, who, by the way, is obviously one of the players I was saying is having an absolutely fantastic year. Nikita Kucherov is seven points ahead of Taylor Hall right now with 100 points. The second best player on Tampa Bay in terms of point scoring is 14 points behind, which is Steven Samkos. So to me, if we're going most valuable player, if you take Taylor Hall off of New Jersey, they are not anywhere close to where they are. And you could you could make the same argument for McDavid, which I, I, you know, that's one of the, the, the positions that people are trying to make. And then it's like, well, it doesn't matter if they make the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But I think New Jersey doing a lot better than people had anticipated. They are in a play. They're already clinched a playoff spot. And like I said, I think Taylor Hall has proved to be the most valuable player in my opinion. And that for me, that he is the clear choice. However, I don't have okay. a vote, so it doesn't really matter. But I am going to go with Taylor Hall. All right. Well, hey, it's 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 okay for you to have a mulligan here and there. So don't <laughs> worry. Don't don't worry when it's Coach hanging it, uh, holding the, the the trophy above his head in June. Um, I I think don't get me wrong. It's a it's a fun argument, and and I'm, and I'm glad we're having it. I just. I don't know. I, I'm just kind of surprised that, you know, there. I think there's been other great performances in the last few years that are all happening in the same year, and hockey's pretty much easily been able to arrive at a consensus. I'm I'm just happy to be along for the ride here. <laughs> you know, 
Hey, this I'm I'm like the guy. I th- I'd like to think that you and I are the guy with the glasses in that Twilight Zone episode, and hopefully our glasses don't break because we're just be like, ah, now everyone's wasted themselves. Now we have, now I have my books. <laughs> so we just get to be like the watcher, just observe everything, have everybody obliterate themselves, and then we get to eat all the cake afterwards. <laughs> so that's okay. So um, next, we're not going to talk about all the awards, but we're going to talk about a couple. And the next one up is one that was, I feel, a lot more competitive for a while and has not really. And at this point, I again, in my mind, there's a clear winner. So, Cowler Trophy. Um, so, Jay, what are you thinking here? Because I, I have a clear winner in my mind here. Oh, geez. I mean, Nolan Patrick, he's <laughs> the reason the Flyers are in this position. I mean, you know, to go second overall, I mean, you know, that's a huge ship on his shoulder. He has a phenomenal season. It's Matthew Barzal. Yeah. Everyone listening to me yeah. right now, it's Matthew Barzal. I don't know how much more serious my voice can get around it. <laughs> I've watched – I I work in sports. I've had to cut so many highlights of this guy. And, like, the phrase two-goal game for Barzal, point night, point leader on the night, Barzal. I mean, I've this has yeah. been clear-cut for, for some time now. So, you know, again, that's my opinion. But, hey, Peter is the resident former slash current Islanders fan, and he must be overjoyed. This has to be the greatest yin to the Josh Ho Yang saying thing <laughs> because for being for, for suffering such a ridiculous injustice of not having Josh Ho saying Peter has to be re- like jumping up and down because he has gotten to experience the Matthew Barzal show. So take it away, Peter Flynn. Well, first, it is definitely clearly former Islander fan. And <laughs> yes, I mean, Bar- Barzal is is the clear winner here. Brock Besser and Charlie McAvoy, they had good seasons. Not just good seasons, they had great seasons. But they both had injuries that I think had they not been injured, I think it would have made it at least a little more interesting. But I've I've been on the bars all train for a long time now. Uh, at the at the halfway point, he was my my clear winner, and I think it's gotten it's only gotten easier because of the like I said before the injuries. But at the same time, like you do have other players who are very good. You got Nico Hishier, uh, you got Clayton Keller out in Arizona, um, Yanni Gord in uh, in Tampa Bay, Kyle Connor with the Jets, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, Alex Debrinkat. You know, so this has been a year where you've had a ton of really great uh, rookie rookie uh, rookie players, um, rookie performances. Um, Oh, and just real quick. So it's looking like, barring some kind of crazy last day stuff, Connor McDavid is going to win the Art Ross. He's up by six points now with one game left. And then for the uh, the Maurice Rocket Richard, you have Alex Ovechkin with 47 goals. And Patrick Laine is three behind. So it could happen. Uh, William Carlson has 43. Malkin has 42. So you never know. Malkin pulls out a ten game, ten goal performance. He might actually win it, but it's probably going to be Ovechkin. Um, and so uh, the last one we're going to talk about is the Vesna. Now, this is an interesting one because the Vesna is always a difficult award to kind of handicap because some people value different things for goalies. So I'll go first with this one. All year, I've been saying I thought it was going to be Andre Vasilevsky. I think he's going to end up being a finalist, but I think uh, kind of 
throwing uh, throwing this in my face, uh, I got to go with uh, Pekka Rena uh, out of Nashville. He has just had a phenomenal performance. I thought that he was in the downside of his career, which goes to show you that it's really hard to predict what goalies are going to do. So, so again, to me, I think he's probably the clear winner. I think you have some other good, other good goalies in the uh, in the running. Like I said, Vasilevsky. Um, maybe if he had been more consistent, like you know, he played really, really well for a long time, and he kind of fell off a little bit lately. Um, so, so what do you think? Do you do you agree, or you have somebody else? Um, I mean, I've got my my indulgence pick that I would love to to have happen because it obviously ties into my Stanley Cup true pick because I think Connor Connor Hellebuck is is under the radar taking everybody by storm. But you're right; everybody values different things, different times. I mean, and I guess and think crap they vote on this stuff before the playoffs begin. Because then you just have all of these skewed recency bias votes, and it just—it's too much. Yeah. So, um, I'm—I am pretty sure you're right. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Pekka. I mean, there's Nashville, just uh, this this powerhouse team, and 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 Renee just is able to find that extra gear that all the greats are able to find to 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 find that extra level. So hopefully that. That pays off for him. I mean, I'm sure the obviously the cup is the thing he wants more than the Vesna. I mean, you know, the Vesna doesn't exactly you know get you in, in a, a corner table at, at at Dorcia, right? Yeah, you know, for all you or or Mendes for all you for all you Paul Allen fans out there. So, um, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's Renee, and and that'd be fun. I think it's neat that Mark Andre Fleury is you know kind of in the conversation there too. Obviously, Quick is because yeah. Jonathan Quick is Jonathan Quick. Um, you know, Bobrovsky's in there oh, as well, yeah, so yeah. hey, I think I think if that's if we're talking about a top five here because it's nice because it's actually pretty pretty appealing. Renee number one, you know, Flower at two, Hellebuck at three, Quick at four, Bobrovsky at five. That's what NHL.com has, or that's what ESPN has. So I I think that's a pretty good top five to to, to pick and choose from. So all right. I know. What would be neat is if these awards could like be decided by like goalieing off, right? Like, oh, we sl- it's like not not your regular season performance, but then like you get nominated, but then you go to like a secret, like an undisclosed location where they just fire pucks at you <laughs> relentlessly, kind of like the way Goldberg was tied to the to the net to see how many you can stop. So that's that's the fun stuff. Yeah, I think like like you said before, I think that if Flurry had played more. I think that he would definitely be in the consideration here. I think that's that's the biggest thing against him because he he has had a good season. He just hasn't he hasn't played nearly enough. I think in order to uh, to to merit consideration here. Um, yeah, all right, so yeah. real quick before we move on, just just one last one because uh, we we left out one of the big ones, and it's the Norris Trophy. Do you have anybody here other than Victor Hedman? Um, gosh, I I, don't, I feel like. Wasn't there a guy up north somewhere where it's like cold all the time? Where a river flows over. Yeah. Ah, jeez, his name escapes me. It's a it's a name that is like under no scrutiny whatsoever right now and is really not being paid attention to at all. Like a franchise is in no way hanging in the balance with his name. So. Um. Cool. All right. So Victor Hedman. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Yeah. Yes, I'm. I'm saying that the Carlson is the is is my pick for the Norris because to have to go through all of that and then be the best on the ice, he should get that award. I don't think Hedbin would be able to survive under the scrutiny of having an entire franchise way in the balance of where you're going to go. So, yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. And I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not discounting anything that Carlson has done. He's just uh, clearly in a, you know, an unbelievable player. All right. So those are our award uh, predictions and analysis for you. Uh, so we just have a little bit before we wrap up the show. We, we kind of felt that it would be, it would be a little bit uh, blasphemous for us to finish out this show without talking a little bit about the retirement of the Sedins. Uh, so Henrik and Daniel Sedin announced that this will be their last season and their last home game. Uh, Daniel passed to Henrik for the game winning goal, which is, you know, if you're, if you're writing the movie, like whoever's writing the movie, they just put their pen down and they're like, well, thank you. Uh, that, that saved me from having to do something because, I mean, you know, how else can you end that? Um, so, I mean, my recollection of them is just just being in awe of the communication between the two, just the the natural or almost unnatural way that each of them knew where the other person was. Uh, I heard somebody describe it as almost kind of like sonar, uh, where they just they didn't even have to look. They make ridiculous no look backhand blind passes because they know that their brother is going to be there. And it, it's one of those things where I don't know if, if we as NHL fans really appreciated it as much as we we should have. Just because when is the next time like something like this is going to happen? So, yeah, I think that they are not only two of the best players of their, their time, but the two of them together as a team was just two, you know, probably for my money, the best two person tandem that you could have on the ice. I have to agree. I, first of all, as an aside with your comment about like whoever's writing this, I just, this, and it's completely unrelated and I'm going to get right back on, on subject, but I just want to do a small PSA we need to retire the "you couldn't write this" mm. uh, cliche. Um, yeah, you could. Yeah. Uh, you can write anything. Just, just, just look at music. Just look at literature. You can write all of this. The only limit is yourself. If you look at a Stanley Cup final, and an underdog is going to win, and then you say to yourself, "You couldn't script this stuff." No. Yes, you could have. Absolutely. You could write this. So, you know, don't limit yourself by leaving everything up to chance. Be imaginative. Carpe the diem. You know what you're doing. Anyways, I look at the Sedins, and it's probably good that they've existed at this point in history because pretty much all of their career is fairly well documented. Fairly well documented. Which means I don't think it's going to take long for us to get back to appreciating just how good they are. Cause I think for the longest time, some players and some duos and some tandems 
kind of lose a little bit of their draw because there's there's not a lot of video. There's not like there's not a lot of uh, in, like reaction that's tied to the material that's there. So I'm I'm really excited that we live in the realm of YouTube and and other stuff where I think the I think the Sedins are going to get way more. Uh, I think those are going to stay in the conversation way longer than they would have, let's say, if they were around like in the 60s or the 70s. Because, I mean, they, they would have made their money, obviously, and been just as good then. But I think there's just way more available now to to really, truly grasp just how good they were. I mean, I, I, I think the one highlight that I constantly see the most is that's the one where one it's either Daniel or Henrik is like has the puck and he's going behind the net, but he's able to draw the attention of the goalie enough to make the goalie want to try to go post to post. But it's the back door between the legs pass to Henrik or Daniel, whichever one is, is, is the second to follow there and is able to just tap it in because the goalie's thinking that the other guy's going to go around the yeah. other end. So like that play is ridiculous. Um, again, you just to touch on what he did the other night, as far as like story book endings go, that's phenomenal for them, right? Like 22 to 33 or 33 to 22, either way, it's phenomenal. And then somebody was saying how the clock read, it was like 233 of overtime. So like even the clock read 2233, like the, the, the whole like math is the language of the universe stuff just like had, oh man, they just had a field day with that goal. So, so that's pretty cool. And I mean, without them, Pete, we probably wouldn't have gotten one of the better NHL commercials of all time, which was, you know, the big frat party happening in the hotel room. The guy's like, guys, Swedish twins. <laughs> and they're all like really excited. Like, all right, Swedish twins. I thought that was a myth. And then they open the door and there's Daniel and Henrik. And then they go the extra mile by actually dancing and the guys are into it. So, you know, I, I, ha- I, I shudder to think of what kind of world we'd be living in if that didn't exist for us. Yeah. I definitely agree, and no, it's 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 a sad day for hockey, um, but at the same time, I'm glad that they were able to go out on top as opposed to trying to stretch it out and have them just be kind of shells of their former self, etc. I, I, again, they get to hang out on a like. It sucks that they couldn't have a cup, right? I mean, I'm not saying it's without. Like, like, it's not out of the possibility that they could still get one, right? Like, I would love to see a, a two-head coach tandem led by the Sedins, you know, watch. Like, they retire now, but then they go back to Sweden, right? And they get to coach Team Sweden, and it's like the it's like the Megamind or the Kadianagi twins from Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. where they just, like, they're so much better together, like two head coaches, and then they just create this mega monster team, so... I've been using mega a lot today. I should stop. I need to diversify my portfolio. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, it sucks that they couldn't have a cup, but do you think they're Hall of Famers? I think they're Hall of Famers. I think they should get in. Uh, I, I, I think at this point I lean towards yes. I think, I think they're going to be – I don't think it's going to be a slam dunk. I don't think they're going to be – you know, like, for example, like, like once y- Yaramir Yager is eligible, he's, like, slam dunk first ballot. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're in that category, but I, I will not be surprised at all if they get in. Yeah, 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 you, you said it. There's there's obviously no-brainer inductions, but I think theirs is like with time, a little bit of reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah. All right, so uh, we are going to wrap up this episode in just a minute. But before we do, we, we felt like we... 
we kind of have to mention that the uh, yesterday or last night um, we got the news that the the bus carrying the Humboldt uh, junior hockey team in uh, Canada had crashed uh, the Humboldt Broncos in Saskatchewan. It had crashed with a transport truck and there were 28 people on board and 14 were killed, 15 were injured. So I guess there's 29. I, I originally read 28, but the article I'm looking at right now says 14 and 15. Uh, so either 20 or 29, I mean, regardless, it, it doesn't make a difference. And um, the last I saw several of these players or these people that were injured had very, very critical injuries. So that number could rise in terms of the death toll with this. Um, and I mean, this is just one of those things that is unimaginable. Um, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, that things like this happen, uh, but you never, you never think it's going to, um, you know, it reminds me of the, uh, the KHL plane that crashed, a few years back, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, buses crash, planes crash. Of course, there's a chance that this could happen, but it doesn't, I don't know, like it, it doesn't feel real, you know, that these were actual real people that this happened to. Um, and so, you know, at, at this point, I mean, you know, there's there's not much we can do in terms of um, analyzing or whatever, but we wanted to... Uh, you know, to mention this and to say, obviously, that, you know, we we are thinking of their families. Um, and if you go online, there's been some some funds established to help them out. Um, and so we would want to strongly encourage you to do that. Um, you know, every little bit helps. And obviously, these people are going to need a great deal of help in the next little while. So with, with with that tragedy happening, it doesn't feel right to do our normal show ending of plugging our stuff, etc. So what we're going to do is um, we are going to close the show with uh, some words from Saskatchewan native uh, Mike Babcock talking about this tragedy. And we're just going to end the show that way. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Uh, being from Saskatchewan I prepared to talk to you too, so I'd uh, not be emotional, but you know, I grew up there, right there in Saskatoon, it's just down the road. Uh, my buddy's kid played there. Yeah, I talked to him, he's farming in Saskatoon last night, and, and as the calls were coming in, and they're talking about all the kids they've coached over the years that are playing on that team. Uh, I can't even imagine being the parent, or the wife, or the kids at home. Um, going through something like this. So, you know, our hearts, the hockey world's an unbelievable world. Uh, you can't make up for loss. You just can't. It's got to rip the heart of your chest. Uh, we pray for those families and thinking about them. And um, I don't know what else to say, but, uh, you know, a horrific, horrific accident. A tough day. Bus travel, Western Hockey League, and, and beyond. I mean, it's, it's really a notch above worldwide wouldn't you think Mike? yeah uh, you know i know that road pretty good i i mean it didn't seem like a a big spot it's not like the mountains or anything like that but accidents do happen and you know what's you send your kid away in my case to junior hockey or college hockey or college soccer and you think uh 
I always used to think about those vans when the coaches were driving at college soccer. I always thought those were a nightmare. And, I mean, this is supposed to be as safe as it gets, and it just goes to show you you got to embrace each and every day, and each and every day you're with your... your family better enjoy it. So let's talk about hockey.